0: Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now, here's Connie. Hi everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. I'm your host, Connie Bowman. And today I'm just going to ask you this question. How old do you feel? I can remember my grandmother and even my mother. I, we talk about this a lot and often, very often, uh, an older person, especially a woman will say, "I feel maybe in my 30s I certainly don't feel as old as I am and and I wonder if you guys can relate to that. I kind of feel like that too now. I'm 56. I'm proud to say I'm 56 going on 57 kind of like, you are 16, going on 17. <laughs> Only it's a lot older. And I I still feel pretty young. I mean, I'm healthy, and I'm happy, and I'm living um, a pretty full life. So I, I kind of feel like, yeah, I feel pretty young. And today, we're going to have this conversation with an expert Robbie Ludwig is a nationally known psychotherapist. She's an award-winning reporter. She's an author. She is a relationship contributor for Investigation Discovery Network, Scorn. She's also a regular guest on lots of media, CNN, Fox News. Uh, She's appeared on Today, HLN, 2020, The View, Steve Harvey. Oh my gosh, keep going. Wendy Williams, Entertainment Tonight, World News Tonight. She is everywhere. And she's on the medical board. And she's a contributor for Bella magazine. She writes for the Huffington Post. And she's here today to talk about her book, Your Best Age Is Now. Don't you love that title? Embrace an ageless mindset, reenergize your dreams and live a soul satisfying life. She's perfect for happy, healthy you. Thank you so much, Dr. Robbie for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we've been trying to uh, get connected for a while here and things kept getting in the way, but you know, that's life and that's life at our age, right?
1: That's right. Life can be a little bit messy, but
0: we like it anyway. <laughs> a lot of us at my age, anyway, are sort of in that sandwich generation where we're still taking care of uh, uh, older children, and and our parents are are getting to that age where they need a little extra care, and so sometimes our our uh, our own uh, care can can fall by the wayside. So this is a great conversation. So yep. Yeah.
1: I think it's a really important conversation, especially since there's been a lot of misinformation that seeped into the cultural landscape, Mm -hmm. which doesn't make it any easier to operate when we're being pulled in so many different directions, like you mentioned, taking care of kids, taking care of parents, perhaps. And, and yet trying to figure out where we fit into uh, the mix of our
0: lives. Yeah, and at the same time, those of us who are around my age, which is a lot of my listeners here, we're, we're taking care of both, as I said, our parents and our kids, but we're also in this midlife, which, as you say in the book, there are a lot of uh, myths and stereotypes and misconceptions about that this time in our lives. And maybe we can just be de myth these these uh, ideas, so that a, a lot of us can let go of those false ideas of how we should be living our lives in our forties, fifties, and beyond. So let me even
1: tell you, absolutely, I agree. You know, one of the things that started me on this journey is that I kind of have three pronged career, and my career is as an author, as a TV commentator, and as a therapist. Now, as a therapist it feels great to get older because you gain status i remember when i was a young therapist i would kind of count the ages and be so excited when i was a year older than somebody because i wanted to come off as knowledgeable and i didn't want to be seen as a novice so it's kind of interesting how the different fields perceive getting older yet in television when i was interviewing for this one job uh, the, the casting direct asked me my age. And I remember getting off that phone call thinking, wow, have I aged out of, you know, these TV jobs? And, and was it going to be all downhill from, from here? And it's really what started me on this journey, looking at the books that were out there in the midlife space. And the books that were out there in this midlife space were a little bit depressing. Some mm. of them were funny. But basically, the theme was all negotiating how to deal with loss.
0: Yeah, it's all downhill from here. I mean, that's, that's right. Yeah, how do yeah. you
1: <laughs> deal with loss? How do you deal with losing your job? How do you deal with losing your marriage? How do you deal with losing your, your looks? And it's really enough to get you to want to stay in bed and never come out.
0: Exactly. Yet,
1: when I did the research, I started to find a very different picture emerging. And the picture that I found was contrary to what we have been taught, that we continue to grow and change, not only in our personalities, but that we're not in fact losing it in terms of our brain power. We continue to make new brain cells and we continue to uh, navigate the learning process from a very strong way. So for example, People in midlife not only continue to learn, but they problem solve better because they have wisdom on their side. Um, In terms of interviewing people at midlife, very often they felt more confident than they ever imagined that they would. And they liked who they were better. They, in some cases, liked their bodies better because they figured out how to eat and how to exercise properly. There are changes that go on in the brain, the amygdala, that allow us to see the glass as half full versus half empty, which can really benefit our relationships. And for other people, they find that they're more attractive than ever. It's the time of their lives when they meet the love of their lives or that their relationship is really in a beautiful place. So a lot of this positive information that is backed by science is not out there in terms of um, our cultural landscape. It's not something internalized. And I felt that that was very dangerous, that the mindset contributed to um, internalizing a faux expiration date that people walk around with. Mm. This idea that um, they don't really have anything in store for them, that it is downhill, in terms of everything and um i just think as a therapist while i'm working with people to help them become their best selves that that mindset especially when the science doesn't back it uh it's it's really time to redefine and rebrand what midlife is all about
0: yes i love that you say that and and also just to kind of further drive home this uh Myth busting idea that we're talking about A lot of what you're You work in the media, I work in the media A lot of what We deal with in the media is so Fear based and so Because fear does sell And, and, and it's a, it's market driven And so if we're looking at You know the commercials on TV For everything from Botox to uh, Funeral homes <laughs> I mean they they want to make they want to make the dollar. So they're going to appeal to our our fear. And, you know, we need to rise above that, I think. So that's why your book well, is... Well,
1: and I do, I do think that by women owning their own worth, and men too, for that matter, that we can start to redefine how people experience midlife. And science has been a real game changer. Because in the past, People, how long would people live, you know, until 65, maybe? Um, We weren't looking at living as long as we do now. When Gail Sheehy wrote the book, Passages, I went to hear her speak. She said the first time she experienced a midlife crisis was at 35. Now, this was in the 70s. And 35 today is just starting out. That's when you're just getting in your groove. Right. You are just kind of getting in a groove in your career. You're probably just starting a family, or maybe you have two young kids. You are absolutely just at the beginning and starting to get in the groove of feeling really great about your life path. Now, we would never think of thirty five as being middle age. In fact, it's it's this moving target of when do we actually hit middle age? Because we can have a lot more options in terms of, again, because of science. So people who haven't even benefited from what we have today are living past 100, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at midlife even technically being 50. So if we give up on ourselves prematurely, we have a lot of years ahead of us that we're not gonna use to our benefit, Mm
0: -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and even in terms of having kids, uh, when it came to having kids, there was this timeline that women had to operate within. Now, because of science, we're going to see women deciding to have kids into their 50s. They can have them at 60. And we're going to see this a bit more because women are going to have a choice. They aren't just going to have to choose Should I have a child within my biological clock since I have a choice now? Maybe I want to pursue my career. I'm living until I'm 100. I have other choices that I can choose for myself. So it's like everything really is shifting, but the mindset now has to shift along
0: with it. Mm, Absolutely. So I guess that's really the first step is like letting go of those false ideas about how our midlife and beyond should go. And then you talk about some steps that we can take and um, some of the most important things like letting go of stress and uh, building resilience and, and ultimately creating that life of balance that sometimes is elusive when we're, when we're younger. So that really, that really is there. So what are some of the, some of the uh, ways that you have found that uh, women are, are coming into their own and, um, being able to let go of stress and, and finding that resilience that bounce back. One, one
1: strategy that I talk a lot about in my book is, um, I, I connect adolescence, the similarities between adolescence and midlife. And so there are a lot of biological similarities that are going on during adolescence that parallel midlife in, in, in a way it's, you know, adolescence is your transitioning into adulthood. And, and when we go through midlife, it's almost like we are transitioning into a, a more mature adulthood. Mm-hmm. It's like almost a new chapter of adulthood. And there are hormonal changes and there are psychological changes. And part of the strategy that I recommend to women is to borrow from your adolescent self because there's a lot of wisdom there, and borrow from the positive aspects of adolescence, not, not the negative part of adolescence. So the positive side of adolescence is that adolescents are always recreating themselves, right? There's an artistic component to being an adolescent. They tend to reject but what others tell them they are, and instead have this Attitude of rebellion where they say, I'm going to define myself. You're not going to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. So they're less inclined to abide by rules they feel are ill fitting. They tend to see the future as very positive and optimistic and have a yes approach to life. They tend to turn to their peers for support and connection. And sometimes we lose that when we get into adulthood. We get humbled by the disappointments that we have about life. We may not view the future as holding the possibility for wonderful things happening to us. And sometimes we get stuck in a rut, even though there is a desire to eliminate things in our life that are not working, rules that don't work, um, living by other people's ideologies that we realize somewhere along the way. Don't help us to become a mentally healthy person or happier person. So part of being a healthy person during midlife is rebooting by perhaps asking yourself the question, what would my younger self advise my older self to do? Mm. It's almost getting in touch with an inner moxie. Mm. And, And part of that is staying current, constantly learning, keeping yourself fresh and relevant, You know, we certainly need to do our part as well by eating well and taking care of our bodies, by having a spiritual approach to life, which really helps us to shift from a victim mentality and more into a mentality of um, being proactive about one's life. So, that is really what my book advises in the various chapters of relationship and work and health and nutrition. Um, and dealing with stress is how do you attend to yourself and, you know, not let these other things that you've let stop you in the past, stop you from really embracing who you need to be now.
0: Mm, I love it. Yeah. And it is a mind, body, spirit approach. You Absolutely. Wanna, yeah. I loved what you said about getting in touch with your younger self. When I ask you that question, how old do you feel? What, what would your answer be?
1: Oh, I answered this a lot. And I ask this question a lot because I love it. Okay. I'm between 24 and 25.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And I know. I know one would think that I would be older, but no. I don't know why I got stuck at that time period, but I think I got stuck at that time period because it's the first time I really felt like an independent adult and it was a really good feeling. Uh-huh. So somehow I just kind of got stuck there. So I, I, it's funny, I asked different people, you know, that very question. I asked somebody from high school that I went to high school with what, how old he felt. And he said, I feel 12, Robbie. Oh. He said, but Maybe that's because I haven't had a car in a while. I'm like, maybe 12. I'm like, that's a new one for me. <laughs> um
0: So do you think when you ask that question, Robbie, do you think that people answer based on the time of life that was most gratifying for them?
1: I I kind of do. I think that that's been my anecdotal observation, Mm. that people tend to identify with an age that's associated with something positive in their life that is also associated with independence and adulthood.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: For you. Is that
0: true for you? How old are you And your Well, head? I feel like I'm in my 30s. I feel like my 20s, yeah, and it is a time when I felt like I came into my own. I was a young mother, and I loved being a young mother, and I felt like my 20s, I had less confidence, and in my okay. 30s, I was, I mean, I'm still, I I, feel, I I don't even really think about my age, actually. I'm pretty comfortable in my skin, which is great. And I think that that kind of happened later in life for me.
1: It it definitely does. I mean, I was out with a group of contemporary women, and across the board, everybody talks about how much better they feel in their own skin now. Mm. It's like, it takes us a while to acclimate to ourselves, Mm -hmm. to stop trying to please everybody else. Sometimes when you're in a childlike position and you're trying to please everybody else, it's disempowering. But yet when you finally feel like you've earned some stripes in your life and you've had life experience, you can with confidence say, gosh, I really like a lot of who I am or I really like a lot of the way I think or I like the way I approach to learning new things or you begin to navigate your world in a way that really works a bit better for you. Maybe it's the right job. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's the people you have in your life attend to your needs and um, who you are right now. And so that is a beautiful feeling. And that tends to happen later in life.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's so positive. And then I want to talk about uh, relationships and our love lives because that's such an important part of our happiness and our our sense of well-being in this world. And I'm observing, just observing, that uh, many of my friends who are going on to second and even third marriages are very, um, they're very, they're proactive about dating and, Finding the partners themselves, much more so than uh, I think we ever were. Of course, the resources are there, all these dating sites and everything, but more proactive. And also, I feel like my married friends who have been long time, myself included, are much happier than I have observed uh, in the past. So, yeah, interesting. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? I mean,
1: I think for the long term marriages, there's wisdom there and also as i mentioned our brains are different so the changes in our amygdala which is the emotional part of our brain allows us to see things from a more positive perspective which our partners can benefit from and i think too we no longer expect perfection and and there's this is where wisdom comes in where there's an appreciation that we're not perfect, our partner's not perfect, but if the priorities are in place, uh, then then we feel good about our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, at the same time, there are people who then will look to their relationship and ask themselves the question, can I be happy in this relationship? And if they make the determination no, we'll get out. Now, I have to say something really What I found interesting in the research, when you look at kind of the cultural jokes about midlife crisis, right? And I mentioned male midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. We tend to think of a man who's been married a while who exchanges his older wife for a younger woman, right? And buys a sports car. So cliche.
0: Anybody who does that is just too cliche for me. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) but, but But the truth of the matter is, That show, the people initiating divorce more often than not are women. Yeah. It's not the men. And I can certainly say that about the women that I know that are initiating divorce or getting divorced. Mm -hmm. It's always the woman initiating it. it. It's really hard for me to think about a man who's initiated a divorce. I mean, I've heard of stories, but it's basically that. I've heard of stories, but most of the people I know are are women who initiated it. They just decided they had a lot of life to live Mm
0: -hmm. and they
1: did not want to stay in a situation they did not see themselves ever being happy in. And I guess they have the resources to live independently to make that choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's all positive, all positive. So... Let's talk a little bit about spirituality and finding that balance. You you talked about cultivating resilience in the book. And I feel like a spiritual confidence or a spiritual faith, a a practice, whatever it is, can give us that resilience to get over the humps a little faster and more gracefully than we did in the past. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, Yeah. Like, what are are you finding in that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I think in order to have a mentally healthy life. And this is whether you are in midlife or not. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the best ways to achieve that is to introduce some kind of spirituality into your life. And the nice thing about spirituality is you don't necessarily have to believe in God. You could believe you can even be spiritual from an agnostic point of view. So, but I do think it's really important because as human beings, it's very easy to feel victimized. It's very easy to feel sorry for ourselves and like the world is not going our way and to get stuck in those feelings. Mm -hmm. And while it's normal to have that experience to stay stuck there, doesn't help with our resilience level, doesn't help with us feeling gratified in life and doesn't really help to move us forward. And it's through spirituality that helps us look through or look at our lives through a different lens, through a more objective lens, through a more um, hopeful lens. Um, And I think, dare I say, more realistic lens, because we can't see and know everything. Mm. And so the only way to remind ourselves of that truth is via some kind of spiritual mindset or Mm. spiritual teachings. Mm-hmm. And when we can engage in that, either via community or on our own or however people choose to introduce it into their lives, I do think it helps them to have a more objective perspective on their life and help them to be more resilient.
0: Mm, I, I totally agree. Yeah, finding that sense of gratitude has been really important for me and just a sense of the sacred in life. Yes, I, Keeping that alive is really important because... And
1: and the good news is is that it really is a habit. Mm -hmm. So we are born, some people are born more optimistic than others, and there are genetic components to that. But what's nice is that it's part of our mental hygiene. We can train our minds how to think. And we can train our mind to have healthier habits rather than less healthy habits. So if we train our mind to think from a more spiritual perspective, where we understand what happens in our lives from a different viewpoint, one that's a bit more hopeful, it will help in terms of our mood level. It will help in terms of the choices that we make.
0: Now, are there things going on in the brain, perhaps at this age, that will support that sense of spiritual awakening? Well, you know, there are analysts uh,
1: like Carl Jung who believed, and Eric Erickson, who believed Mm -hmm. midlife was the height of when we would experience creativity. Mm -hmm. And there were many directors and writers and artists who really found their um, creative climax during this time of life. It's when a lot of things come together. And again, it probably has to do with, in part, knowing ourselves, being able to eliminate external noise that no longer is applicable, developing a wisdom and insight about the way the world works and how we fit into that world that all comes together at, at this point in time.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that because that, that's, to me, that gives meaning to my life is having that, that spiritual, um, almost a spiritual study that keeps me moving forward and, and transforming myself. So I love that. And it's, it's
1: also linked to, you know, our purpose
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, finding meaning in life. And, and, you know, that's what midlife is all about. It's about finding who we are, what our talents are, what we're meant to do, what we're meant to give back. And we don't just stop having goals because we reach a certain decade. We will continue to have goals. We will continue to have dreams. And so we need to live in a culture that makes room for that. And we need to remind anyone we meet, everyone we meet, as we are working towards rebranding midlife to remind everybody that there's a lot to give in every decade. And if we eliminate certain people based on a certain age group, and I only talk about midlife, but this is probably true for midlife and beyond, then we will be a culture who shoots ourselves in the foot. Exactly. If we want one voice saying one perspective.
0: Mm, so much wisdom. Yeah. My um, father-in-law recently passed and it occurred to me as I, they asked me to do the funeral. So as I was preparing to uh, give the funeral uh, this, you know, speak at the funeral, it occurred to me that this generation that has been so historically, uh, I, I mean, he fought in three different wars. He has seen things that, that we will never see and our children will never see. And I wanted so much for my children and their children to really, the, grand, the grandchildren of this man, to really understand the richness of his life which wasn't always easy. And I think we're, as this generation passes on, um, it's so important to keep that legacy and that richness of the history that, you know, that it's so important. Absolutely. So.
1: And, and um, I, I completely agree with you. And, and I think, you know, that's something we can understand as midlifers, mm-hmm. you know, the importance of the people who came before us and how they influence us and even created a path for us to walk.
0: Mm. And
1: then to explain that to the generations who are younger so that they understand where they fit into the world and what their mission is and to give them permission to continue going on and to not let any externals get in their way. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the important message mm. because we are impacted by each other. So every time we see a 62-year-old look and be vital, and I'm going to use Christy Brinkley even though I realize we're not all supermodels and we're not going to all be supermodels. The fact that 62 can look like that is giving thousands of women an option to say, well, that's possible. And sometimes that's all you need.
0: Yeah, I like to look at Gloria Steinem. She's she's a little past midlife, but she's 82, I think. She might be 83. Yes. Oh my gosh, not only does she look good, but her mind is so sharp. And she's still so vital and involved and constantly reinventing herself, doing new and things. And I know you'd
1: probably be mad if I said this, but I've met Gloria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really interesting to see because... First of all, she's gorgeous. She, okay? yes, she totally. She's like supermodel. And mm-hmm. I know she's in her 80s, but she was like, she's drop dead. Mm-hmm. And a brilliant brain. And she's also somebody who said it's really unfortunate that midlife is such an undervalued time of life because it's so much fun. Yes. And I love that she said that. But, but here's the interesting thing. When I saw her, we were actually at an event at my college. um Everybody wanted to be around her. She had star power, she does. and it had nothing to do with her age. It had to do with her essence. No,
0: I agree. And so,
1: I think really important for all of us to be reminded: don't get lost in age. It's about essence. It's about the energy you put out there. What are you offering? Because people want to receive something that's of value to them. As long as it's packaged right, they certainly want to receive it. Absolutely. And, um, Joan Rivers,
0: Joan Rivers, somebody mm. who
1: was similar, and again in her eighties, you know, when she was around, she was the person everybody wanted to speak and speak to in the room. She was funny, she was energetic, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't her age; it's her essence. So I think we all need to think about leading with our essence and not necessarily our age.
0: Yes, Ariana Huffington comes to mind also. Yeah. I think she's a really good example. She's a brilliant example. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
1: Yeah, She's a brilliant example, yes. And she continues to reinvent herself. She could stop after the Huffington Post, Yeah, but she's continuing to move on and have another adventure. Why? Because our goals don't die. We continue to have new ones that we need to honor, and we also need to live within a culture that is willing to honor it, especially since we're all going to be living longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if you can speak to, you mentioned constantly learning as a way to, as a means to keep our brains uh, healthy, keep us energized. Are, you give some ideas in the book, but, but staying relevant in the workplace and keeping our career, because uh, a lot of us will continue working for many, many years after midlife. And- um, uh-huh. Can you speak to staying relevant and the importance of, and, and maybe give us a few tips for, you know, staying current, really? Yeah, well,
1: you know, I think part of it, especially in the workplace, is, um, you know, people can fall prey to what I call salarism. Um, so it's important, as I interview Kate White in the book, not necessarily to plan for, plan for fair, but to always have a plan B. And part of it is, you know, if, if you ask yourself, are you getting too comfortable? You know, maybe that's a sign that you need to think in terms of, listen, if I were a boss, would I hire me? What am I bringing to the table? What do I need to learn within my industry to continue to make myself relevant? You know, uh, it, we don't, have companies anymore that will keep you for 30 years and then give you a golden watch and pen and send you on your way to retirement. That's not the culture we live in. So everybody has to kind of think proactively in terms of what do I need to do to keep myself relevant in the field? How do I need to look? How do I need to dress? Who can give me honest feedback about how I'm presenting in, in the workplace? Do, um, You know, use your networking. By the time we reach midlife, we have a lot of contacts out there. Make sure to use all the people that you 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 know utilize, not use utilize all the people you know to see who can help you out there. What what transitions do you want to make? Because sometimes people decide to transition from one field to another. And and what's nice about educating oneself, it could be as easy as reading various magazine articles. I mean, the web has an endless amount of information out there. If you look at the proper resources, when I was interviewing Jean Shatsky for the money section, and I asked her, how does one become knowledgeable about money? She said, just start reading about it. Start reading information. So really, you can follow either your industry and, and research the latest about what you need to do to stay current, or if it's just about... You want to read something or learn something new in an area of interest. There are adult ed classes that are offered. There are online classes that are being offered. As long as you are investing in learning new material, that material will present itself and you will be strengthening your mind and how you think and how you operate and your value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Good and good insight. Into staying current because I think that's a big uh, issue with with us as we age. It's daunting to kind of stay up with all the changes because they're happening faster and faster and faster. So,
1: well, right, and so, but we—that's kind of the responsibility—is on our end, right? Mm -hmm. To to not get lazy. It's easy to rest on our laurels and say, "Back in the day." Well, nobody cares. You know, everybody's in today right. and everybody has their bottom line in, mo- in mind. So, you know, if you recognize that everybody has kind of a bottom line in mind and that your job is always to sell yourself so you are the best person for the job, then you're probably in a, a safer place. Um, but it's all about being able to redefine yourself whether it's within one job or in another field.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's get a little shallow here. You're a beautiful woman. You're of this age. What are your? What is your best advice for uh, staying cute <laughs> as we uh, age? <laughs> uh, uh, gosh. Just well, had to go there. I mean, you call this well, book, the book is Botox for your brain. Right, exactly. <laughs> you call it an inner life makeover since we're, you know, let's just get a little shallow and... Yeah. What do you think?
1: Well, you know, I think it's in part a desire to um, look and stay healthy. I mean, I know I, I certainly want to look a certain way. So I, I try to eat as best I can. And I try to exercise when I can. And I certainly love my Botox and love my moisturizers that I use mm-hmm. on a regular basis. I try to stay happy, which I think also helps. And I certainly don't follow any philosophy when it comes to dressing. I wear what I like. And if it's, you know, at Forever 21 for people my daughter's age, I'm okay with that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Um, So I think I just don't follow any rules. And I just, um, I think just trying to stay happy and enjoying what I do while getting a good blowout every now and again Ah, is is really my answer.
0: Yeah, and at this age, hopefully we can afford to have somebody else blow out our our frizzy ass hair. So good. I (laughs) I love that. That's good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to read your book. I haven't, I haven't actually read the whole thing. It's so good. The best age, your best age is now embrace an ageless mindset, re-energize your dreams and live a soul satisfying life. Just the title is so compelling. So thank you for writing it and give us all the information about getting it and finding more about you.
1: Okay, well, I mean, you certainly can go to my website, which is DrRobbyLudwig.com. and basically my book is sold everywhere books are sold. Uh, if you look on my website, I have a book page, so you can order straight from that page. Um, and you can, uh, of course, follow me on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter under Dr. Robbie ludwig, and uh, there, you know, and then I'll pop up from time to time, but I'm around.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much. You're you're so inspiring. I am inspired to uh, do a few things after this conversation. Oh, I'm glad. So, thank you so much. I um, I'm sure our listeners are going to glean a lot of good information from this and your book. So, thank you so much.